0: Everybody to another episode of Needs Some Introduction. In today's episode, Sona and I will be breaking down the second episode of our final season here of Succession, an episode called Rehearsal. Before we get to that, just very minor show notes, we are primarily just covering these two shows, Succession and Yellow Jackets, and we have some a bunch of new listeners for both of our coverage there, so... Check out other shows you might be interested in. If you have Showtime, maybe you're catching up on Your Honor. We covered that show recently. If you have HBO, uh, you may be catching up on The Last of Us. So check out those. I think there's a lot of overlap, probably with The White Lotus, as well as Succession, and probably with Yellow Jackets as well. We covered that show. Very popular show for us back in December. So check that out as well. Check our backlog. Lots of shows there you may want to catch up with. And with that out of the way, I'm not going to do any recommendations These shows, Philip, our runtime, are giving us lots of good quality conversation. And I think this episode soon is going to be a very interesting conversation. The first question I have for you, right off the bat this episode is called Rehearsal, not the rehearsal, just rehearsal. And I was curious, what do you think that might mean in the context? Obviously, there's the obvious fact this is the rehearsal dinner for Connor's pseudo wedding. That, of course, factors importantly here. But is there another rehearsal you see? Is there anything else you see there metaphorically?
1: I don't know if rehearsal is the word I would use to describe what I feel like is going on, but it almost yes. feels like kind of like a dry run for like yes. everybody strategizing and there are takedowns of each other, right? In right. my mind, that would be quite a rehearsal. I'm not sure what I would call it. Maybe a dry run, which I guess is a rehearsal. <laughs> so we're full circle.
0: There's obviously a dynamic that's playing out here over and over and over again on the show, by the way, we have this maybe the most earnest version of it with the littlest artifice, or maybe I should reverse that. You think about the conversation we saw between Logan and Kendall last year that almost caused them to commit suicide. There was still a real anger to Logan's uh, performance there. And now it's almost flipped over because now this is something that Logan wants and the kids are the ones that have the upper hand. Maybe this episode is a rehearsal for what's to come because there is this (laughs) never-ending toxic dynamic between these family members. And I really want to get into that because so much of what's going on in this episode, the kids legitimately have the upper hand here. We have to get into the breakdowns of this deal because if they blow up this deal. They blow up everything for themselves
1: as well. One of those like cut off your nose to spite your face type <laughs> In- situation. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay.
0: Los, let's start at the top. This is a very, very funny episode until it's not.
1: <laughs> we, yes. We uh,
0: kick things off and uh, we see that Logan is really very nervous about this deal with Madsen. You see that he is not going to the office today. He is going to ATN because, of course, he really seems to be re-energized. And we'll talk about that in a little bit with being back at ATN. Carrie is there, his right-hand woman. She says, should I cancel the chopper? And he's like, yeah, sure. Cancel the chopper. Let him walk to the Mm -hmm. wedding rehearsal. And that smile on her face. She's so happy to put a little salt in the wound there with the the siblings. (laughs) She despises them. Meanwhile, the siblings are watching this news broadcast, uh, this company, this uh, channel owned by Pierce and just ripping into it. Where are the hotties? <laughs> you know, that's something that notorious, like Fox News, for example, had like all these mm-hmm. like uh, attractive young blonde uh, anchor women. Here he's just saying, like, where, where? why are there all old people on here? <laughs> <laughs> They're like talking about how we're going to change this, we're going to change this. And their consultant there is saying, it's not quite yours yet. Connor texts, wants to know if they've left yet. No, of course they've not. And they don't even know that they've lost the chopper yet. Right. But I did like their description of how they want to revamp the business. And they have such completely diametrically opposed versions of it. <laughs> I like how Kendall's saying like, it's going to be, it's going to be all statistics and it's
1: African news. Yes. Yeah. They're <laughs> going to have all just African
0: news. There. And the, the one black person in the room, he's like saying, Hey, that's a good idea. Right. Of course, like not even realizing how obviously racist that is, but I like how Shiv describes it as, that sounds like homework of the show.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: And then I love that Rome says, well, how about we do all your business briefings and all that other stuff? We we pack it into the mornings. And then at nighttime, we go full on clockwork orange. Like, what does that even mean? And then I'd love to hear the, how what that analogy is too. But of course, she walks out at that point. And this is when Shiv finds out that she's conflicted out of like every premier divorce lawyer in New York. Because it looks like Tom has taken Logan's advice and has preemptively reached out to all of them.
1: Did Tom never watch The Sopranos? Because most of us know that technique from The Sopranos.
0: <laughs> well, but he's a pretty naive guy, but uh, <laughs> here's the first question I have, is that even though this is ruthless, right? And it, very hurtful to, to Shiv, and maybe this is why she makes some of the ridiculous decisions she makes in this particular episode, not that she's the only one making these dumb decisions... But I definitely think this is a catalyst. But on top of that, that Tom makes the point that like I know what your family's like. Just like Shiv, ready to send them to jail, Shiv would have done this to him, absolutely. So I, it, oh, I, absolutely. I feel, I feel bad for her in the moment. But I'm like, it's not like he would not have done this to him, also, you know.
1: I feel like you have a sympathy for Shiv that I just do not, and I don't think there's anything that could make me feel bad for Shiv, honestly. Unfortunately. I want to like her more than I do, but I just don't.
0: It is hard to find a sympathetic woman on this show. Although I do, I think maybe one that I definitely like, and unfortunately we haven't seen much of her so far. We do see her a little bit here this week, is uh, Jerry. I think Jerry's very, she's a survivor. She's very strategic. I I do. And she's funny too. Like when she, you know, she's, I think that actress does a great job because she is a comedian, but she plays pretty much a straight laced character here on the show. But when she's funny, she's very funny. I agree come back from the credits logan is at (laughs) atn and craig is reviewing the situation (laughs) very funny yes the whole thing where he's like i don't know what's going on it's very scary he he has his sunglasses on indoors he's
1: moseying he's moseying moseying.
0: (laughs) he looks like santa claus crossed with a hitman (laughs) oh boy when Tom actually gets there, you know, he gets that conversation with Shiv. Finally shows up at the office. No one was expecting Logan to be there, obviously, and they're all trying to make their best appearances there. <laughs> he meets up with uh, Greg, and I love Greg's analogy. So what's happened?
1: What's happening? So he's still just kind of walking around, but with the slight sense that he might kill someone. It's like Jaws. If, if everyone in Jaws worked for Jaws...
0: I like that in his analogy, the shark is called the Jaws. <laughs> that was his name.
1: <laughs> Wait, the shark's name isn't Jaws? I haven't what watched is, the I, movie. I don't,
0: I don't think they gave it a name. Did they give it a name in the movie? I don't think they called it a, a name. I really. haven't
1: seen the movie, but I think we all know the shark's name is Jaws. <laughs> Who else could be Jaws? Who else could, could that be I think it's to? just
0: like the fear of getting be eaten. I don't think there's an actual name. Like someone's like, watch out, here comes Jaws. <laughs> dialogue that's not in the movie (laughs) this is like a nightmare scenario can you imagine all these people that have been just like kind of riding out atn logan is basically the elon musk in just a slightly different metaphor for reality is the figurehead and they're just kind of doing their work behind the scenes and you know letting him be the front man and now here he is He's micromanaging everything. He makes fun of a guy for taking too long to write an email. Yes. Really, really micromanaging. Yes. He complains later on that they order too much pizza. It's like, what is going on? This guy like has like yachts and he's complaining about ordering an extra pizza.
1: Without getting too into the details of my life, I have worked for someone like this. And um, it is terrifying. They don't want to know anything until they want to know everything.
0: (laughs) I luckily have never had a... Someone who micromanages to this extent, this would be an utter nightmare. Oh, Logan has already brought it up to Tom. Did you see Carrie's <laughs> audition video?
1: The running gag of most of the episode. Yes, it keeps <laughs> popping
0: up multiple times throughout the episode, and we see the siblings are watching it at one point. But that's the only time I think we actually see any. It's
1: the only time we see the substance. They judge. Yes.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yes. What incredible delivery! I like she's like <laughs> she seems to be like surprised at each new line. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> you look stupid.
1: Missouri State poli- police. Missouri State police have oh issued an Amber Alert as two children are believed to have been abducted. They were last seen outside the school gates, waiting for their mother to collect. <laughs> and then sudden the smile. Are appealing for anyone must act natural to
0: fool people. the humans.
1: And a new medical study <laughs> has found that drinking one
0: doing of the coffee shit a of in day can news.
1: extend your life
0: up. She's smiling when like the, the news is bad and then she, you know, uh, she, she tries to correct and gets serious and then she smiles again all of a sudden.
1: I have seen <laughs> that in the actual news to someone who clearly yes, has not read ahead. Oh. And so they just have the smile plastered on their face while they are saying something very grim.
0: Not Not for nothing. It is, you know, I'm just talking about the local cable news that we watch. The anchors are really not that much better at what they're doing versus what she's doing there. But you know, not to disparage any of those people. I'm sure that's a very difficult job because you probably have to read the news that's just like literally just popping up off the screen immediately. They don't have multi-million dollar budgets to, uh, to like pre- rehearse all this ahead of time and everything else. So it's a uh, right. And plus, that's a skill because sometimes these people are reading the news like as it's coming in, and they you know hey, that's it's there's a skill in that as well, I guess. And she does not have it. <laughs> Shiv is talking to Gina Baxter. I mean, um, <laughs> Sandy. <laughs> Sona, by the way, did you know that we not only just saw Hope Davis in Your Honor, mm-hmm. and she is, of course, here playing Sandy. Mm-hmm. She's also at this very moment. She's on the HBO show. She's in Perry Mason right now, so she's like all over oh. television. Well, good for her. And she lives in Englewood, New Jersey, by the way. She didn't know.
1: I did not know. Not far from where we live,
0: where I live. So yeah. So uh, Sandy, and apparently, this is very interesting. This is where the things bad decisions from shiv begin but apparently she's not the instigator here it looks like sandy had reached out to her separately but now of course maybe motivated by the whole divorce situation she reaches reaches up to sandy and says you know you and stewie had put together some papers that showed that maybe there's some additional money to be found in this deal maybe i can get Kendall and Roman to go along with this, and then of course that would give them enough power, enough leverage on the board to torpedo the deal. Right. So my question is, like, what is going on at this moment? Do you think, first of all, that this is motivated by the divorce? She probably feels that Tom's getting this advice from her dad, and and there's some animosity there, obviously.
1: You know, I hadn't considered that at the time. Um, the thing that she keeps saying throughout the episode is that they went too far in what they paid for Pierce. I assumed it was more trying to make up that difference.
0: But then they need that money so badly that if the deal doesn't go through, they don't have the money to buy Pierce. Logan says it to them and Matson threatens them with it too, basically saying like, look, just rubber stamp this deal right? and you have the money you need to do Everything else you're supposedly wanting to do. If this deal doesn't go through, the other stuff doesn't happen either. And that's my bigger question. And maybe we can explore it even more so as we get into these different interactions.
1: Well, but what is, do you mean the that other intention? stuff doesn't happen either? They have an agreement to buy Pierce. They won't have the money to do it. And that's going right, to be a bigger right. problem. Right. But they exactly. <laughs> I don't think the deal just goes away. I think they have some problems they have to deal with if they don't have the money.
0: Yeah, then that becomes very complicated because they can't raise the money. And then Logan. I mean, does it go back into Logan's lap? Maybe Logan can still buy it, but maybe Logan maybe. can't buy it. Logan needs that cash to make right, that, that maybe. deal, I think. Hmm. So he needs yeah. the, the the Gojo uh, deal to go through. Back at ATN, <laughs> this is all very strange. By the way, Tom is very tall and uh, this actor- um, Greg or somebody else? No, I meant- Because um, Greg is very tall. <laughs> yes, they are. That, I think Greg's even taller than Tom. Actually. Yes. <laughs> I was saying Brian Cox playing Logan is oh, um, gotcha. is pretty relatively short. So it's pretty funny when you see them all walking down the hallway together, like we've seen multiple times on the show. And there are these tall men around him and even his kids are taller than him. And none of them are that exceptionally tall. Either. Yeah. And
1: there's a joke about it at the end of the episode too, with the <laughs> fake platform they make.
0: If you imagine they would like fall off of there and that'd be, <laughs> that'd be like the next <laughs> shoot a drop. But anyway, he, he stands up there. Tom apropos, absolutely nothing says, I can kiss you from <laughs> yes. here. Yes. Yes. It does not seem to be like Logan's humor at all. He's so flustered. He's like completely kowtowing to him. He's really regressed in a way because he has become a confidant to, to Logan and still it really feels like Tom took a step back in this episode for some reason, even though he's probably more essential to a lot of these things that are going on than ever before. Maybe that's his limitation that Tom can never know when he has the upper hand. Maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Which is funny for a guy who has that height, right? You think that he could um, at least uh, take advantage of it. Uh, this whole uh, speech that Logan gives is pretty fascinating. First of all, he's obsessed with the fact that even though the company has grown its profits by fifteen percent, they're spending forty percent more. <laughs> he describes the new production location like as an airplane hangar or something for their uh, election coverage, which is true, right? If you're spending more than you're making, then you're really not making anything.
1: My yeah. math is not that good, and my accounting knowledge is not that good, but I. I think that seems very basic.
0: Is 15 more than 40? Yes. (laughs) He he does call that out. Deer in the headlights for that poor guy. (laughs) Yes. And then he starts talking about he wants to build something leaner and wilder. This kind of feels actually like uh, not like Fox News, although maybe Fox News will eventually pivot in this way as well. But it looks almost like he's talking about OAN or something, right? Like something that's a real wild card out in... um, uh, the media. What's your read on this here? Because he does seem really energized as if-
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: He started off as a newspaper guy. He was always like someone who bought tabloids. This is very corollary to uh, the Murdoch family, obviously. The Murdochs had the Fox and you know the Fox TV channel, 20th Century Fox. They become a massive, massive company that had very complicated holdings. And then they sold off all those holdings to not to uh, a tech- troll <laughs> like Mattson but they sold it to Disney right so they sold off all their proper all their entertainment properties to Disney and of course now they've maintained the news business right so in a way it's going back to roots again and maybe that is what is giving Logan some juice here
1: Yeah I mean he definitely seemed excited and revitalized by the idea for him I think maybe his life has become kind of old hat There could be something exciting about being back on the ground kind of
0: And he was speaking about that last week, right? Like how he feels- Right, that's
1: what I was just thinking about.
0: Yeah. That he doesn't feel anything anymore, right? So maybe he needs to go back to basics. Right. So the siblings find out that their chopper is leaving. Uh, Kendall's response to that, he's become a Buddhist, apparently. This is new fashion. For for who knows how long that's going to last. I did find it funny, though, he's describing how it's uh, sometimes your greatest enemy is also your greatest teacher. (laughs) (laughs) He also has some other platitudes here. He says like, be like water at one point, like for no real reason at all. (laughs) Just because someone's upset. (laughs) And I do like that Roman calls him out like he's a Buddhist, but he's wearing Tom Ford. (laughs) Yes. So then we see Logan with Carolina and they go into the office to meet with Jerry and Hugo, Fisher Stevens playing Hugo. They're laughing at the video, which of course has been making its round. (laughs) And this is great where he just doesn't want to share a screen.
1: Yes, it is. It really is.
0: I mean, he could have gotten himself out of the situation, by the way. He he was smart enough to like unplug the laptop and be like, here, you plug it in. He could have just opened his laptop very quickly. And you might have still had like that split second where you would hear her voice and maybe Logan would still key in on it. But having it right there up on the screen, just very bad decision making there for him.
1: (laughs) I don't disagree with you, but as someone who can be kind of tech challenged, I completely understand how it happened and I understand the panic of it. Remember you told me once you were doing a presentation and your chat windows were coming up and people were complaining about oh each other. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> no, I did that
0: window. to someone else. Someone was sharing their screen. The, uh, the analysts had been talking about how this one person member of the team was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I had not been interacting with the team. And then I was hearing the chatter during this meeting. And uh, I sent the message going, you're right. (laughs) You're right. He is crazy. And uh, that's the screen that was being shared at that moment. So uh, throwing myself and the other person under the bus simultaneously.
1: Very efficient.
0: We fired him soon thereafter, so it wasn't so bad. But it was a little humiliating at the moment. Oh, boy. When that popped up on screen, I was like, oh, oops.
1: <laughs> I can't imagine how your heart must have dropped. <laughs> oh, it literally did,
0: yes. <laughs> Interesting in this meeting, by the way. Jerry seems to just be trying to get this deal across the finish line. This is the, once again, just the fascinating aspects of this episode. Jerry seems to be the one to be like, let's just get this deal done. You know, Madsen wants to have like this kind of handshake moment. She's trying to put as positive a spin on it as possible. Logan is furious about this, saying like he's just trying to humiliate me. He's been such a prick since he signed the deal, and he doesn't tr- trust her. He literally cuts her out of the meeting the next day. When we get to that point later in in the show, but this is so crazy because she seems to be the only one that is focused on let's get this deal done. If Logan is worried about this deal not going through, then how is that handshake going to be so detrimental to him? Is he so caught up on his ego that? Some of the decisions these people are making are purely emotional. They supposedly have their livelihoods on the line and it's just like them. The siblings arrive at the rehearsal dinner in Manhattan and they get ambushed by Stewie and Sandy. And they once again talk about how they'll have enough votes on the board to blow up the deal if they push back on the price and she's trying to get them on board. And even though they keep blowing them off, they are definitely thinking about doing this obviously.
1: It seems to me, you know, Shiv yes. is the one really pushing this. I think, you know, Kendall and Roman's knee-jerk reaction is like, why would you take that risk? It makes no sense, even if it is true. She seems to have a bigger agenda, is how I read it.
0: I agree that she's definitely the the weakest link here, but all the links are weak. <laughs> and it's interesting, by the way, to talk about where each one of these folks breaks down along the lines of this vote, because they need all of them to vote for them to have a majority of the board right overthrown, along with uh, Stewie and Sandy, who have about a quarter of the vote. I forget exactly how it broke down, but it's about a quarter of the vote. What's crazy about it is you have Shiv, and maybe the impetus there is because of what happened with the divorce lawyers. But then we'll get to it. Kendall, maybe we'll get to it right now. Kendall gets a call from Matson. Mm -hmm. By the way, it's like the middle of the night over in Sweden, and hes I guess he's just up doing whatever because he doesn't sleep maybe.
1: I mean, maybe, but he looks like he's in like a lazy boy recliner eating chips or something, which I thought was strange from the guy that was trying to optimize every aspect of his life last we saw him.
0: Well, Elon Musk doesn't sleep at all. Supposedly, he says he doesn't sleep. So I mean, like maybe that's what he's trying to do too, just stay up all night long. Maybe. You know, we all make our best decisions when we haven't slept for days, which might explain Elon Musk's recent uh, decision. Judgment
1: is so good when you're sleep deprived.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, so let me circle back to that When we after we cover this. They show up at the rehearsal. Willa is leaving as they're entering. She's obviously getting cold feet. She probably doesn't want any kind of bum fights at her wedding. <laughs> On top of the fact that she may not want to get married at
1: all. Right. Because when she stands up to give her toast, she just says, I can't.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Not a great sign.
0: Connor, of course, is very upset. He's trying to track her down, although she was just in the building a minute ago. I like how Roman basically says, oh, you know, she's, you know, basically makes fun of her for being a prostitute with her mom, like within earshot, the the unawareness of that. (laughs) Pretty terrible. I also love here where Honor says, I want to go out and I want to go to a place where real people go. Come on, let's give them a drink, Yeah, Let's give them a drink. Yeah, but not not your usual stupid places. Uh, Somewhere fun and real, away from the fancy dance. A real bar with chicks and guys who work with their hands and grease and sweat from their hands and have blood in their hair. I don't like these guys. They sound like a medical experiment gone wrong. They sound like a medical experiment (laughs) gone wrong. (laughs) Yes. You know what we talk about? We're trying to find a sitcom that makes you laugh. And it's like, hey, if I get one laugh per episode, this is the funniest show on television. Like, You get so many laughs out of this show. It's crazy. I laugh out loud multiple times every single episode.
1: It's a very funny show, but you have to really be paying attention to it.
0: There are too many laughs in it. It's like you have to yes. watch the show multiple
1: times to get all of them.
0: <laughs> so Logan has reached out to Tom and Greg. This is when he's complaining about the number of pizzas that they were ordered.
1: Showing how out of touch Logan is, that he thinks you can microwave old pizza. You cannot, <laughs> we all know, as Greg tries to meekly point out to him. It's a terrible idea to microwave old pizza now if you want to just make a one-time purchase of a toaster oven that could be toaster oven,
0: absolutely yeah. excellent i love old pizza in the toaster oven but yes microwave. Yeah. absolutely terrible decision yes agreed
1: the bigger problem is carrie and her aspirations
0: tom gets the baton from logan logan hands the baton to greg and then greg gets to have this extremely uncomfortable conversation with carrie What is he like? I love the fact that he's improvised and he's not only trying to just stick to the script. He's making his own critiques. He's like the way she used her arms, but it might have been just the way it was photographed. She's asking like, "What's wrong with my arms?" I also like the fact that she's like, "Who's in this focus group? Is it just you, Greg?" What does she threaten his life if that focus group doesn't actually exist?
1: Tear him apart, right? Like a string cheese. (laughs) Like a
0: string cheese, exactly. (laughs) Tear you apart, string cheese.
1: I mean, she's on to him immediately. He's not good oh, at course. faking it yet. I will say there was a certain BBC America anchor that my husband and I used to always laugh about her arms because they just were positioned in a very awkward way that made it seem like they were five feet long. Like <laughs> just taking up a lot of real estate on the desk. I get where he was coming from.
0: The akimbo arms, is the wrong way to present your arms in a, during a newscast
1: seem like the least of her problems though but
0: <laughs> and as you were mentioning with uh you know she susses this out right away she susses all of it out she mentions right away so oh you're here because tom didn't want to have this conversation and yes. tom's here because logan didn't want to have this conversation so she knows exactly what's up she's she, she's no idiot i mean obviously so you've seen she's very adept she de- doesn't know that she's a bad news anchor though she's a little, that's one <laughs> thing that she's kind of you know you have those blindness about your own weaknesses i guess <laughs> And of course, uh, this leads to her meeting with Logan and planning to head out and meet the siblings. And Logan seems very serious. He knows that the deal is at risk here, that which is enough for him to actually go out and talk to the kids. And like I mentioned before, uh, we simultaneously, Matson is talking to Kendall, and this is what I thought very interesting about that whole situation. Kendall was kind of on the fence, going like, "Hey, why are we messing with this?" And then Matson is the one who reaches out to him in the middle of the night and says, look, don't blow this up. You guys get what you want. You guys just overpaid for this other media company and you're not going to have the money if this deal doesn't go through. So just shut your mouth I do what I want. And we all get what we supposedly want. He doesn't just have a completely emotional reaction. He does go and look at the finances. He looks at the actual deal that originally came through and he decides, yeah, there is more money here in this deal. Two sides to this. One is it's interesting that this is the thing that motivates Kendall to change his vote. But also it does show that Matson is also uncomfortable with this deal, right? Like Matson is going out of his way to reach out to Kendall, but he's FaceTiming him to have this conversation. What do you think is going on here? I mean, we probably will know a lot more about this when they meet next week, but do you think in your gut that this shows Matson is weak here for some reason?
1: For whatever reason that I cannot really substantiate, I think he would walk away. So I think what they're doing is very, very risky. A theme with this is that someone said last season, Logan never gets screwed over, everyone else gets screwed over. Right. right. So Logan's read on things is not to be dismissed so easily as they are dismissing right. it, I think.
0: I agree with everything you say in that I think Matson is willing to walk away from the deal. And I do think that Logan has a correct read that this deal can go away. But I do feel like that Matson is almost a little desperate here in reaching out to Kendall to blow the deal up. And maybe it's that he doesn't want to buy it anymore, right? Maybe he decided he's overpaying. He's reading Kendall properly and say, if I push Kendall, I can get them to flip their vote. And then I'm off the hook, right? That could be. I mean, if you want to do the Elon Musk analogy again, Elon Musk was like, I'm going to buy Twitter. And then he was like, no, <laughs> I'm not buying Twitter. And he's like, no, oh, no, I'm stuck buying Twitter. Right. So uh-huh. maybe this is us. This, maybe this is the I'm not buying Twitter moment. Right. So and this could be his out. And that could also be why Logan knows he's not going to get a better deal than this. True. Also, we find along uh, out along the way that Roman has been in contact with his dad just for the birthday.
1: Yes. And it was... Uh- suspiciously warm when he said take care (laughs) yes i like
0: how they're reading his phone that could be be a nightmare to read his phone by the way
1: yes we all know
0: carrie and logan are headed to the karaoke bar alan ruck by the way right so you know i've known him obviously since ferris bueller's days off day off he seemed to be sidelined early on in the show but man what a great episode he has here not only absolutely hilarious when he's funny but absolutely heartbreaking later in this episode before we get there absolutely hilarious that he wants to go out be with the common folks do some karaoke uh and what does he end up performing famous blue raincoat by leonard cohen and, which obviously not a karaoke song but beyond that is i love roman's reaction first of all he doesn't know this song and he's like what is going on right now do they have desperado <laughs> <laughs> and he goes this is some guantanamo level shit <laughs> so i have to hear this karaoke performance <laughs> Oh. And then, I mean, one of the most incredible scenes of this show, I think, is when Logan shows up and they just have out at it. And, and it, I found this so fascinating. This, I think, is maybe Logan with the least affectation we've ever seen him. And of course, the kids are like vultures picking at him, right? What did you think of all, all of this?
1: I mean, how genuine do you think Logan was being here, first of all?
0: That's what I'm torn on. Once again, he's just trying to work and angle. So I think he needs to humble himself in front of them to try to get what he wants. So in that way, he is being practical. But at the same time, I feel like it's calculated, and yet he's saying, I have to be honest to motivate them. So it's calculated, and yet I do think this is as earnest as it gets. When he says to them at the end, two things that I thought were really indicative of that, when Shiv has a near near nervous breakdown because she's like, I cannot believe anything you say anymore. You're a human gaslight. His response to that is just fine. And he stops fighting. It's like, he doesn't want to fight anymore. And then he ends everything, ends it with, I love you, but you are not serious people. And I Mm -hmm. really do think that that is absolutely true. At that moment, he's telling them the truth. And I also feel that when you see him walking down the street later on. He's not his usual blowhard persona. He seems to really be reflecting on the situation, not necessarily reflecting on like, oh, I feel terrible about all the things I've done, but more like reflecting on like, how has this all come to this?
1: Do you think the, I love you was genuine? I think it was a blend of genuine emotion and strategy. Yes, Yes. I was really happy that when he said, you need an apology, I apologize. Roman had the sense to ask for what? Yes. Right? I love the
0: pushback <laughs> because you think he's the biggest one who wants to get his belly belly rubbed by daddy, so much so, but he's the one who pushes back. I thought that was totally fascinating.
1: And I've been in that position in my life. I think everyone has where someone says, I'm sorry, and you say, like, for what? Like, do you even understand? what this conflict is about, right? right? Because it's usually not about the thing that you're disagreeing with in that moment. If it's someone you have an ongoing relationship with, it's usually about much more and the dynamic in the relationship and things that have happened over time that this is just the most recent manifestation right. of. The apology, the vague apology and some of that other stuff was more just trying to get the deal done. But right. do think the I love you was genuine. And I do think for the gazillionth time, Logan is trying to tell them, I got where I am because I'm good at this, right? Right, like,
0: exactly.
1: You don't know better than me just because you were born into this and I have provided right. these opportunities for you, which is kind of like the constant push and pull of this show. Should these kids be allowed to stand on their own and make their own decisions or are they completely ill-equipped to do so because of what they were born into? Once again, to my dismay, I find myself siding with Logan, who I know I'm not supposed to like, but I think he makes a lot of sense.
0: I think it might have been Jesse Armstrong that was talking about this in between seasons. His read on Logan is that primarily Logan does want to have a successor from his family. He wants one of these kids. So Sure, that makes sense. A lot of this is a trial by fire, where he's trying to say like, which one of these can actually cut it. And he honestly, earnestly does not think they can. So I think that to your point, that is a sympathetic perspective to have. And not that we should sympathize with any of these people, honestly, but as far right. as within the dynamics of the family, he may never accept the negative things that he did to these kids. But at this moment, he wants a successor for everything he he built. And he's disappointed that they cannot step up, right? They None of these mm-hmm. kids will be the, that successor. Okay, three more scenes. As he's walking down the sidewalk, he decides he has to meet Mattson face-to-face. And this actually means that he's going to head over to Roman's apartment to have a conversation with him. But before we get there, Connor has this absolutely heartbreaking
1: mm-hmm. conversation
0: with his siblings where he's like, you know what? I just needed someone to be here for me today on my rehearsal for my wedding. And of course, you guys are not really here for me. You're physically here, but you're not doing what I need. And he says, but that's okay okay i'm going home
1: well i'm sure she'll be in touch con
0: you know what it's fine really yeah the good thing about having a family that doesn't love you is you learn to live without it
1: what god you're smart. all
0: chasing after dad saying oh <gasps> love me please love me i need love i need attention oh, i think that's the opposite of what just happened your needy love sponges and I'm a plant that grows on rocks and lives off insects that die inside of me. Jesus Christ, come on. If Willa doesn't come back, that's fine, because I don't need love. It's like a superpower.
1: And if she comes back and doesn't love me, that's okay too, because I don't need it.
0: Thanks for the party.
1: You're
0: welcome. Him being able to live without love is a superpower. This was Mm -hmm. really devastating, like devastating. I agree. Alan Ruck here, incredible performance. Hysterically funny, doing that embarrassing karaoke and then doing a scene like this. Just incredible work.
1: Yeah. I mean, I really felt for him in this moment and what his life has been and his self-awareness of it.
0: It's something we've said earlier in our recap of the show, but that he's this clown and he knows he's the clown, but he's also the outsider. He's an outsider with his siblings. He's an outsider with the family. His mom is not around because of her mental issues. So he's been an outsider his whole entire life. He's always playing the clown, but maybe there's more self-awareness here than than we give him credit for. But he does go home and Willa is there and we have another episode ending in the marital bed. Mm -hmm. One maybe bad marriage match ending last week and one beginning here, potentially. Roman shows up at home. Tom is there. Dad is there. Dad now is in full seduction mode here, trying to uh-huh. win over Roman. He knows Roman's the weak link. But at the same time, he says to him, "He, you know, smart people know what they are. He knows that he's a fire breather, he calls him. And I have to say that Roman here for a moment might be now moving at the power rankings as the potential successor. Although I feel like that's not going to happen. I think that This is going to be a straw man. He's going to put him there as the potential successor, as his favorite, but only as a way to manipulate the other siblings. And and I feel bad for Roman. I think Roman's going to end up getting the worst of this.
1: I was thinking all of that as well. And then thinking maybe I need to put Jerry onto this list of likelihood being the successor.
0: It's very possible. And not only that, I also get a sense in watching this episode that there might be some larger scheme that logan might know more about than that he that he's letting on or maybe not that there might be other powers that for example maybe stewie sandy and Matson are pulling strings because that phone call to kendall right then maybe he just had a call with sandy you know what i mean like i feel like uh-huh. maybe there's something bigger going on here all right so that takes us to the end of the episode and uh sona Did you have any speculation, any final takeaways from this particular episode?
1: I mean, I think this is doing a really good job of setting up this final season. They Mm -hmm. already said that the board meeting has been pushed off. I assume we're not going to see a vote on this next week. We're going to see an episode of Machinations, how this is all going to play out of Roman's potential betrayal of his siblings, right, to go Mm -hmm. side with Jad. So all of that, I think, is set up really well. I feel like last season, Kendall was kind of the sibling with nothing left to lose. And I feel like maybe we've swapped that onto Shiv at this point. Mm -hmm. She's just going to go, you know, I don't care, burn it all down. (laughs) It doesn't matter to me anymore, which I think would be interesting to watch. The discussion we had about, How much of what Logan says to his kids is genuine and how much is strategy, I would speculate is going to be kind of a recurring theme in this final season. What does he want from his kids and expect from them and think that they're capable of both good and bad? What are your thoughts?
0: I have a lot of things that I was thinking about after this episode and you're touching on some of them. One is I'm really interested in the final moment there with Roman, because maybe it's all just a way to drive a wedge, but theoretically it could also leave Logan exposed because if Logan's making some bad moves here, now Roman's on the inside and we know that he's always had a dual loyalty, right? He's ratted out his dad to the siblings. He's ratted out the siblings to his dad, right? He's really like the one in the middle (laughs) that is, you know, in a way, it's like this weird power dynamic over him who controls him.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But I do think that speaking of Logan being manipulative and earnest at the same time, I think he's not wrong that he needs Roman. Mm-hmm. Roman had this weird dynamic with Matson, And I think his dad wants him there because he wants to... I, I mean, it was Roman who made this thing happen in the first place. And then Matson disposed of him. And even that was almost like an SNM play from Mattson. So he knows that this thing is there between Roman and Mattson. They have this kind of weird troll game seeks game in a way, right? Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that is in the moment Logan wants to use that. Is Roman going to expose himself as someone who's like maybe the heir to the throne in a way? I don't think that's going to be the case because I really do feel just like, really just by... Gut instinct that Logan has considered Roman as being potentially that person who's most like him. I think in the end he will not pick him, but but I, mm-hmm. I think he does have a moment here where he he could have some kind of a play, especially if this you know and that's being hinted at here as well. We know for sure that that Republican candidate who Roman was a big fan of is going to be back on the show. What does that portend for this election, which definitely is going to factor into this? season as well. So it's a whole other thing that they've barely touched on, but that election is coming and that's going to be important going forward on this show as well. That's a question for you. How do you think the election will tie into this? Do you think there will be, will it be the, the, the season finale, the election results? Uh, will they jump ahead a couple of months and we see ATN like in the thick of the election cycle and they're you know obviously speaking to these candidates on screen?
1: Good question. The way they wove the election into last season, I would expect it to then play a fairly big role this season. Right. But, right. you know, we, we've gone two episodes with kind of just passing references, if there were even any in this last episode. I'm not sure.
0: That's the election center, right? Where where they're the new production? That's true. The coverage.
1: Yes. Right. The coverage. Yeah. You said, we know the actor's coming back. I would expect it to be a decent part of the plot one way or the other.
0: They definitely haven't shown us that direction yet. You're absolutely correct. It's barely hinted at at this point. That's why I wonder if they're going to jump ahead in some way because in this moment, it's so caught up on will the Gojo deal go through? Maybe that's the most concrete question I could ask you. My gut instinct is that the Gojo deal is going to fall through and there will be some severe consequences of that, right? Because for them to do all this and then be like, oh, no, we're going to sign off on it. It's like, well, why would why even bother? <laughs> like, why mm-hmm. even bring him back? Why even bring Matson back, the uh, uh, Alexander mm-hmm. Skarsgård back to do what? <laughs> to sign off on the deal or not? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think there's got to be more to it than that. I agree with that. And I don't know what they're, where they're going to land with some of these other things, which I think intentionally they're keeping hidden. So all of that I find uh, exciting. I think I'm curious to see how it goes. I w- This is one thing I was thinking about was how I was laughing at this last night and thinking, this really is like a sitcom. People complain, and we've complained about it here on the podcast, that the dynamic here in the family is repetitive. Mm-hmm. Which is part of the reason I think that it's the right time for this show to end. Right. But if you read it as just a sitcom, <laughs> isn't that what sitcoms do? Like, how many times do you watch Friend and be like, Rachel and, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ross are they going to get together? Yes, they are. Are they going to break <laughs> up? Oh, yeah. oh they, they break up. Oh, they're back together again. Oh, they broke up again. Oh, they, you know what I mean? It's pretty normal to kind of reset every dynamics at the end of a season of like television show. But I guess this show, because it feels like a sitcom and it feels like a very serious drama at the same time. It's not the kind of dynamic you expect.
1: Yeah. I think that's a fair observation. Yeah.
0: What's so weird about resetting dynamics week to week? Isn't that exactly what television used to be like? And simultaneously, I'm like, I do think they should end it this year. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> but enough. <laughs> right. Exactly. I get that.
0: Yeah. And it would be more satisfying to wrap it up like on a really, when the show's really, I mean, honestly, maybe delivering its best episodes rather than be like, let's just drag this on for, you know, let's do like billions uh, for another five seasons.
1: <laughs> right. For
0: sure. All right. Anything else?
1: No. Looking forward to seeing the wedding next week.
0: Yep. Definitely the wedding. Speaking of Logan being pragmatic and practical and conniving all at the same time, he is simultaneously saying, uh, Roman, I need you, yada, yada, yada. And then Roman brings up the fact that that does mean that we're not going to Connor's wedding. Yes. <laughs> poor Connor. <laughs> oh, poor, poor Connor. Connor. <laughs> Always gets that uh... short of the shorter stick. <laughs> it never works out well for most of these characters.
1: Yeah. And did you see in the preview when he asks Willa, are you only with me for my money? Yes. I mean, Connor, yes. don't ask questions. You don't want to hear the answers exactly. to him, Exactly.
0: Exactly. Oh, and are you going to keep sticking with the big door prize?
1: I think I am. I'm pretty intrigued by it so far.
0: Good. Did you like the finale of the last of the third episode? Did you make it through that one?
1: Yeah, that was an interesting development. I feel like it was telegraphed kind of that. Yeah. I don't know how much you want to talk about the details of what happened, but I was not shocked by by the big reveal at the end. I'm not sure if we were supposed to be because they definitely gave you that sense. But yeah, I like the idea of this. I like Chris O'Dowd. I always find him a fun person to watch. Mm -hmm. I like the woman who plays the wife. I'm not sure I know her from anything else. Yeah, very much enjoying it and finding it funny and clever and interesting.
0: Did it feel like a natural companion to shrinking or or was I off the mark on that one?
1: I understand why you would say that. To me, this is aspiring to something deeper than shrinking, which is strange yeah. because you would think a show about therapy would have some deep <laughs> right. themes, but and in a way it does, but they're more obvious here maybe. But I, I enjoy them just the same. But yes, it's not as much laugh out loud, although there are definitely laugh out loud moments.
0: Right. Yeah, I think the tone is very different. Like I think uh, a lot and that, a lot of it has to do, I don't think I recommended this when I initially recommended it to you on Mike. But I think that the score is so good. And this person who did the score here uh, does not seem to have been around for that long. And I love the mm-hmm. score in the show. It really adds a like a weightiness to sometimes when the show does pivot into making some serious points. So I did like the way that it was able to move from one tone to another. And I do agree completely that shrinking and this show have a very different tone, but I, it was more the ingredients that I thought were in common, like kind of like a hangout show, uh, the family dynamic somewhat similar. So some of those things rather than the tone of it, because I agree the tone is not, you know, like going back to like the Ted Lasso shrinking thing. Those are two shows that very much have the same tone. This does not have mm-hmm, the same tone mm-hmm. as those shows, right? So, which maybe makes it a little less funny, by the way, because it makes the jokes feel a little less like zingers, right?
1: What occurred to me, and again, you know, as we've talked about many times, depending on this stage of your life, you might see different things in this show. As a person who is middle-aged with the main characters also being middle-aged, I think you know one thing that I have explicitly talked about um, with people in my life is the idea of like, how do you know what's enough? How do you know whether you should have aspired to more, whether you could have done more, had more? Mm -hmm. How do you know if you're convincing yourself to be happy with less than you could have had, or this is Mm -hmm. what was meant for you? And I think it's a very like deep existential Question and the answer is not obviously not going to be the same um, for anyone, but um, I think especially having the backgrounds that we have coming from immigrant families that did not have much, right? Mm-hmm. It's right. it's very hard to know when you're supposed to be done achieving and just enjoy what you've achieved. <laughs>
0: right, right, yeah. I think there was like uh, there's a not to spoil anything. There's a scene in the show where one of the main protagonists is reviewing their note that they've gotten from the machine. And it says basically exactly what he does now, like almost to Mm -hmm. a comical or definitely to a comical effect, how specific it is. And that's really much, has been his point of view up until this point being like, see, this is what I wanted. And I got what I wanted and I'm satisfied. And then someone kind of, who's there at the same time says, well, maybe you didn't want enough. And then it really causes like a crisis in him. Right. And, And like you said, I really love that scene because it made me think about those exact same things. Imagine that you could somehow have revealed that, the life you're living right now is the best version of your life. And that supposedly is like liberating. And then imagine like your spouse is supposed to be at a completely different trajectory. And then you're like, okay, well, if I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and they're here <laughs> and they're here with me, then am I like holding them back or something? Like what, what does that back, mean? Right. Yes. And then you mm-hmm. have this complete like a, uh, you know, crisis there when you think about that. And I thought that was really uh, interesting to explore it here in an entertaining way.
1: It's such a complicated question really. Right. Um, and I think much like, you know, I am very big on the idea of toxic positivity that, right. you know, mm-hmm. you're yep. you're allowed to feel what you feel. You're allowed to be unhappy with what you're unhappy about, because literally, no matter how bad your situation is, yeah, someone will always be in a worse situation. That is the right. state of right. our world. So I don't think it's fair to yourself to say I'm not allowed to be unhappy about X thing that happened to me because I'm not, for example, I'm not allowed to be unhappy about my relationship with my mom because some people don't even have a mom you know right, right? right like like true but also something very painful could have happened and i think you know this kind of um gets at that idea in a way of like right someone will always have more than me someone will right. always have a bigger house someone will always have more money someone whatever your measure of success may be right someone will always be more centered. Be more zen. Be more self-aware. Be more self-actualized. Whatever your measure is, someone will always have more. So how do you know when to stop looking at like how much more there is to to get
0: or to be? Right. It's like kind of a weird reversal when you think about succession. Here you have everything you could want, and then when and the only thing that matters anymore is like these like manipulating people so it's like it it like leads to cruelty in a way right so yeah it's just kind of interesting to think about like you know when you're aspiring when should you stop aspiring when should you appreciate what you have and if you are appreciating what you have then maybe you didn't you know wish for enough Mm -hmm. i kind of got lost in my own argument there but
1: (laughs) well it's very philosophical so i can understand why in succession terms was there more juice to squeeze
0: yeah exactly (laughs) All right, I will let you go. And thank you again for the conversation. Thank you. And we will be talking Yellow Jackets later this week. Yep. Let's see what's on the menu next week at Yellow Jackets. Get it? Get it? Oh, boy.
1: Hopefully <laughs> it's vegetarian next week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think there's still the freezing, so there's no vegetables. <laughs> All right, I'll let you go. Okay, talk to soon. you later.
1: Bye. Bye. Did you ever go clear? Oh, the last time we saw you, you looked so much older Your famous blue raincoat was torn at the shoulder you'd been to